Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in wide. Close by Bishop. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast, in association with absolutely nobody. What kind of grasping dicks do you take us for? So rather than subject you to a post-mortem on the familiar themes that came out of Saturday's meek capitulation against Motherwell, we're going to use the excuse of International Week to wallow in safe, comfortable nostalgia. Conversations over Aberdeen's greatest 11 will always be dominated by the players that brought home the Cup Winners' Cup. Not just because of the scale of that success, but because the players and management that evening were part of a golden trophy-laden era. So, in this week's show, we're going to come up with um, a great 11 of Don's players who weren't part of that side. A little bit contrived, but I think it'll be fun nonetheless. Now, joining us to do that are one half of the current Here We Go quiz champions. It's Jim Douglas. Jim, welcome. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, what can we expect from your side uh, this evening, Jim? Is it going to be a side of artists who are likely to get uh, bullied off the ball at the first time of asking, or hard men who will just find a way to win by any means necessary? Yeah, that makes me think you've got a secret camera in here, Richard, because my midfield's a touch lightweight, perhaps. <laughs> well, we look forward to finding out who made the cut for you anyway. Um, then, back with us to give us uh, the benefit of as many years of Pitodri going is Hugh Little. Uh, Hugh, um, with this sort of thing, I don't know if it's necessarily a recency bias we need to watch out for, but more a bias towards the players that we first started watching when we went to Pitodri. So who were your early Pitodri heroes? Well, my first game was uh, Aberdeen 10, Reykjavik 0. Um, and obviously there were a few heroes from that team from 67 through to... 70-71, I guess. Um, one, of, one or two of whom will have made my side tonight. I, I found tonight, I found it quite challenging in defence, but I found finding attacking forwards and midfielders quite easy. So my, my team, um, the defence is going to have to work really, really hard because there's going to be nobody protecting them whatsoever. There's going to be six guys chasing goals and everyone else is, you know. So I, I, think, it'll be a, I think it'll be a fun team to watch, but um, I think they it, it, it might be suffering a bit in defence. Uh, the score one more than you mantra. Um, I, I have to agree. Exactly. I, I've put together a name of uh, 12 forwards who, who could be in contention here tonight, um, along with a host of other guys who've been shoehorned into the uh, wing positions or the attacking midfield positions who could also be utilised up top. So yes, I, I think these sides might end up being slightly top-heavy, uh, but I suppose that's what happens when two of your team's greatest ever centre-halves um played that night in Gothenburg. Also with us, as ever, is Martin Clunas. Martin, evening. Good evening, Richard. Right then, 
well, we'll start where these teams tend to start. Number one, the goalkeeper. Jim, I'm, I'm sensing ultimately this is going to come down to pretty straight choice between the goalkeeper immediately pre-Jim Layton and the goalkeeper immediately post-Jim Layton. But surprise me. I think I'd have to go for Theo, I think. Um, I'm not sure, I mean, would we make a case for Joe Lewis? I'm not sure. Again, the I think I'd have to go for Theo Snell. As Bobby Clark, his longevity was amazing, but I think Theo, in my view, made saves that maybe Bobby didn't from what I've seen, but I'll remain to be persuaded, but I would have Theo in there ahead of Bobby Clark. Well, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the many, many ways in which you could frame this one of them i think is uh how would these players get on in the modern game now the thing that you might think is snelders was more athletic maybe more similar to a modern keeper but hugh bobby obviously was great with the ball at his feet so good that he made the outfield team once um in a match at st johnston back in um 71 i think when he lost his place in the team um so maybe he's got the edge there in terms of what a modern keeper would have but you yourself who have you opted for yeah, no, I've, I've gone for Theo too. I mean, I, I, I thought quite hard about it. Um, I actually also would give an, an honourable mention to Peter Kier, who uh, I thought was a pretty good goalkeeper and, and uh, wasn't here long enough. But uh, no, for me, Snelder's by far uh, the better shot, shot stopper. Um, I thought braver. Um, yeah, Snelder's would be my, my choice. Okay, I didn't actually expect that, Hugh, but there we go. Because, um, you know, again, I was too young for Bobby Clark, but... People speak really fondly of him. Yeah, listen, he, and he's 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 got a bit of a legendary status, and and um, and, and justifiably so, because as you as you say, because of his longevity and and and, and so on. But for me, I'm just trying to compare the two, and it's almost impossible task. But for me, it would be Theo. I do think it's one of these positions which has really come on in the last 20, 30 years. It's almost a completely different skill set. You need to be successful right now, Martin. But of course, this imaginary side aren't necessarily playing uh, right away uh, in modern football. They take, they can play in any imaginary situation that you can think of in your head. The other sort of names I'd throw out, Martin, are, are names like Fred Martin. Um, he was um, Scotland goalkeeper in the 1950s as well as, of course, the goalkeeper when Aberdeen won their first league title in 1955. I think Peter Kerr is right to get a mention. And um, Jim also brought Joe Lewis to the fore. Does he get a mention? I think when you're talking overall, he gets a mention, but I don't think he necessarily dislodges um, either Clark or Snell does, does he? No, I don't think he would. I mean, when we when we were talking about our, you know, our, our Don's teams of the the 20, 21st century when we did it a, week, a couple of years back you know Joe Lewis was at Joe Lewis was in there and uh, had he not had perhaps the last 18 months that he's had um, he'd be an even stronger candidate but still definitely one of the top five keepers Aberdeen have ever had I mean you know I had obviously Peter Keir down and I had I did have Joe Lewis down as well but in the way, in the way I've gone I've had I've gone with players that I've seen um, and that's so I can I can judge. So I mean I know understand uh, Bobby Clark's legendary status that he has quite rightly. You know the, I've only seen you know, lots of clips um, of him, but for me I've had to go for Theo Snelders as well. I'm going to get gamble and say there's going to be a lot, probably quite a few players that we pick that are going to be part of that cup double winning team uh, from 1990. Um, mm. So that for me that for me so it has to be Theo Snelders. Yeah, I think that's the other thing, isn't it? As well as having a bias towards, you know, the sides that we grew in love with first. I think 
sides that win trophies are always going to be at the forefront of our thinking here and uh, Snelder's obviously as you say a big part of that team in 89-90 uh, tremendous performance in the uh, in the League Cup final and obviously the decisive moment in the Scottish Cup final so a surprising mm. moment of unanimity unanimous oh god's sake <sighs> A surprising moment of consensus um, amongst uh, amongst us here, as Theo Snelders gets the goalkeeping position for this greatest. Can game. I just say something there? I, I met um, I had blather with Joe Lewis a couple of weeks ago, um, and it was interesting. I mean, he admitted a kind of loss of of, of confidence and form, I guess, um, but he said that having a completely different defence in front of him. He, he thinks it just got to him a little bit. And in particular, he mentioned Andy Constantine. He said, I, I knew exactly what Andy Constantine was going to do, where he was going to be, what he was going to do. What he, and, and he said, that just that one person gap in the defence and having all new defenders in front of me, it's just, it's just made things just a little bit difficult. So uh, I felt for him a little bit. I think, um, you know, he, he admitted to a, a loss of, of confidence and form. But if, if you're a goalkeeper... And all of a sudden you've got five new guys in front of you and then those five guys get injured and then there's a combination of various midfielders in front of you. It must be it must be quite challenging. I think it's a, a not often enough discussed point that the defence works as a whole, including the goalkeeper. And the yeah. disruption back there, the changes back there are going to impact everybody, including the, including the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the keepers that we have talked about, Snelders, Theo Snelders came in and he had the huge benefit of still having McLeish and Miller in front of him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jim Miller, uh, Jim Miller, Jim Leighton is rightly idolised <laughs> and, and rightly cited as one of Scotland's greatest ever keepers. But my word was his time at Aberdeen made uh, a lot easier because of the, well, his first spell at Aberdeen was made a lot easier mm-hmm. because of the quality of the centre-halves in front of him. His second he- second spell was arguably made mm-hmm. 20 times worse by the quality of the centre-halves in front of him then. But uh, we'll maybe come to that as some of those names later on. Bobby Clark had a bit of a reputation amongst some friends of mine as a bit of a statue for shots. Was that unfair? Watching shots go past him occasionally? Yeah, if you look at the if you look at the old sort of black and white film, uh, um, there are there are times definitely when shots are flashing in and he just doesn't didn't move for them. Um, he maybe you know he's a very intelligent guy. He maybe took the few. I'm not getting that, so I'm not going to try. But um, <laughs> it, it was it was it was quite a strange thing to watch at times um, as as a fan because you thought why didn't you even die there. But um, it, 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 happened, it happened more than just occasionally. But one of Jim Leighton's specialities used to be just kind of ushering the ball past the post but actually realising it's gone inside the post. Um, so <laughs> even the best made mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move on from the goalkeeper discussion and see who joined the Dutch international, the Dutch cap. Martin, that's one of your favourite jokes, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it really is one of my favourite jokes. <laughs> To right back, and this is a position where some of some of the names I would say the majority of the names I've got written down really really go back into the club's history. So, of the five names I've got, I've got names which really kind of resonate, like Willie Cooper, Donald Coleman, Jock Hutton. All three of those were uh, Scotland internationals. Um, Donald Coleman and Willie Cooper are absolute titans through the history of um, AFC for various reasons. When it comes to this team, again, I suspect maybe someone who just missed out on that side in Gothenburg, uh, arrived a few months later, uh, might well be the man right back in your team, Hugh. McKay. 
Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I was on um, Stuart McKinney's testimonial committee, <laughs> interestingly, and um, um, he didn't care of it. Um, but we, we were thrown a, a real um, flanker by Black, Blackburn Rovers. Um, got the game against them. They just won the Premier League, and uh, you know we were advertising tickets for sale with the Shearer and Sutton up front sort of thing, and because neither of them pitched up. So it was a bit of a letdown. And Kenny Dalglish, I have to tell you, wasn't wasn't the nicest guy in the world on the on the night. But um, uh, Stuart McKinney was a completely reliable um, right back, um, uh, w- probably one of the best of his of, of his era. I think um, maybe should have got more caps. Um, scored a very famous goal for Scotland against Argentina, but genuinely was reliable uh, at, at right back. Um, didn't didn't have not many car crashes around him. Um, decent going forward, good pace. So yeah, McKimmy for me is, um, is pretty much straight in there. Jim, the thing with Stuart McKimmy, which I think affected his place in the affections of Don's fans for quite a few years, was a way in which his time at Pitaudry came to an end. Yeah, I think he maybe stayed on too long. Could you say that about maybe some later entrants like Jim Bett, maybe you could mention? I, I looked at Stephen Wright as mother possibility. Um, I thought was Wright's peak for a couple of years better than McKimmy's, perhaps. Maybe that's a silly thing to say, but Wright's tenure was so short, maybe five years at Aberdeen then after he moved to down south, it really went downhill for him and he had a lot of short stints elsewhere. So I think McKimmy has to be in there at the, at the right back position. And 40 caps was a decent amount, but maybe not as many as he should have had. The other name I've got down here, uh, Martin, is a guy that um played everywhere across that back four really um kevin mcnaughton that's a that's a good shout i mean i've i've went for yeah. mckimmy um i mean i'll be honest i was str- i was i was more struggling for left back so i've, I've kind of i actually had mcnaughton as kind of one of my choice one of my choices at left back but that's he he was he's a really good shout there as well i mean you know basically super kev when in a team that in a team that wasn't really doing very well and um, he was one of the few that stood out um and you know you mentioned earlier, perhaps recency bias. Um, someone like Kevin, someone like Kevin McNaughton does definitely. Um, I don't, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a bit of recency bias for him because you know, he he was a real standout, real talented player. Um, career, you no, know, really blighted by injuries. I mean, for as good as he was, he should have been, he should have been another one with you know, 50, 60 Scotland caps. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a real shame for him because he was, he was so, so good for us. Um, even when he left, you know, he struggled so badly with injuries and retired. I think he only retired at about 31, 32, didn't he? Which is just such a shame for him. Um, but I, I think right back wise, I mean, I can't look any further than the, the rest of the guys as well and say Stuart McKimmy. You know, I mean, you look at, you know, like you say, 40 caps. You look at what he won, you know, um, you know three Scottish Cups, um, two leagues, three League Cups and the Super Cup. Um, you know, he's, he stands basically taller than pretty, pretty much everybody else. Um, out with that Gothenburg side. It's a bit too old for you guys, but but um, in the late sixties, early seventies, we had a right back called Henning Bull from Denmark who um, was really solid. I mean, nothing. If you got past him, he kept you. So um, you didn't get past him. Um, he he was he was pretty reliable as well. Yeah, Bull was uh, definitely another name under consideration. Um, and then you've got the guys who kind of played centre half, but could also do a shift at full-back, I guess, the likes of Russell Anderson, 
Martin Buchan even uh, played fullback for Scotland, I think, a few times. I mean, if you remember back to that uh, infamous Scotland-Wales game, the, the Joe Jordan handball and all that, the second goal that evening comes from a lovely cross-in from Martin Buchan for Kenny Dalgleish mm-hmm. uh, to nod in um, Buchan playing the fullback role for Scotland that night. We will no doubt discuss Messrs Buckin and Anderson in a few minutes when we talk about centre-halves. I don't think that's um, a surprise to anybody, but a second unanimous um, vote for Stuart McKimmy at right back. Over to the left, Martin. Now, Martin, you deliberately, when you choose your fantasy team, exclude players from Celtic and players who play out of Ibrox. Are you going to be quite the same with your... <laughs> Dawn's 11 and exclude anyone who went to Rangers. Well, I, well I've already broken that rule, of course. Uh, I guess you have, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we can't forget about that, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I had, I had to break the rule because, um, you know, because it's, it's Dio. Um, so, unfortunately, no, um, I've, I'm, I'm not being as petty with this as I am with my fantasy football. Um, it really, ju- it really, I just, it's David Robertson uh, for me, it has to be. I mean, just how good was this guy? Um, another guy when he went to no, he went down to England and got like some got in, was really struggled with injuries. Um, another no, a guy that was just so so talented. Um, and you know for the spell for the spell he was with us, I mean, I think he only he, he didn't even play two hundred games for us. I think maybe about one hundred and sixty or seventy games. Um, part of that cup winning double cup winning side team as well or squad. Just just such such a good player. Um, and really, we know. I, I wish we'd. I wish we'd kept hold of him longer. Obviously, you know he went there, uh, which is a you know still is a source of irritation. I don't. I'm not saying we should. We can forgive him, um, but for as good as he was for us, I, I, I can't see. I can't see past putting him in there at the left back slot. Jim, I'm I'm surprised at the lack of bitterness from Martin because if there was one man I would choose to go to this evening <laughs> to guarantee some bitterness, it would be him. Uh, are you gonna Are you gonna take one to the team and um, uh, go go for somebody else in that left back spot? Yeah, I'm gonna take the small minded mantle I think from Martin and <laughs> Good actually, on you. I've got McNaught in his left back because okay. I thought he was excellent as a left back as well. And I wondered if you put McNaught in, in the team of the late 80s, early 90s, would he have been good as Robertson. Robertson's playing beside McKimmy, McLeish, Miller and Snellers. So you couldn't find a better four players to play alongside really to go to the team. And McNaughton had to play alongside Phil McGuire and Sander Diamond. <laughs> so I think um, you could make it up with McNaughton when he first came in. It always seemed to be up on the main stand side. I don't know, it's just my memory bias, but he always seemed to skate up that side because I sit in the south stand. He always seemed to really possible angle to get up, that, up the flank that side and he always seemed to just skimming down the side like he was almost like he was kind of floating and um, he's maybe my slight nostalgia pick but I'm, I'd be quite happy to have McDonald in there. Andy Considine is my second alternate as a left back but maybe that's one that he could be the centre back as well I guess. Yeah Hugh, I was going to say there's maybe a couple more recent contenders that could that could fill in at left back absolutely and do a very good job and be effective further up the pitch as well. You've got Andy Considine who who seemed just to rise to every challenge that was put in front of him in terms of players being brought in to ostensibly replace him uh, and return some tremendous numbers in terms of assists and goals from, from left back. You've got Graham Shinney, only sporadically used there, it has to be said, uh, during his time here, but probably a, a position he was very familiar and comfortable with. But And then there was a guy who 
was probably in the team for the first 120 games that you saw at Pitaudry because Ali Sheehan had a remarkable yeah. run in the late 60s, didn't he, of uh, never missing a game? Yeah, very solid, Ali Sheehan. Um, didn't venture forward much beyond the halfway line, but just completely completely reliable. Um, I, I'm, I'm going with Jim on this one. I've gone for some selective pettiness and I've gone <laughs> for McNaughton. Um, Robertson, I think, arguably is probably a better player, but um, no, I, I've gone for the pet industry. Yes, I'm, I, I'm going, I'm going McNaughton here as well. I think, I think McNaughton's, you know, not a lot of players, players leave Aberdeen and go on and 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 become better players and and you know really their careers move forward. If you look back, there's there's not there's a few, but there's not really that many. I thought he did really well when he went to England. He was he was an absolute. Safe starter for for Cardiff for several years, and the fans loved him. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm 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 going for McNaughton in that one. I think I think Shun, nah, nah, Shun just wasn't Shun was a good defender, but the, the McNaughton and Robertson gave you gave you much more. Yeah, it's odd because you know we talk about modern day fullbacks and people that can get up and contribute goals and assists. I don't recall McNaughton certainly not scoring many. I think he maybe had two or three mm-hmm. in his time. I don't recall him having provided that many assists or cross balls either. But again, I suppose when he broke into a team, we were a side that was largely on the back foot, shall we say. Uh, but mm. that's the first split decision of the evening. And um, listen, Martin, you're clearly not on this podcast for your football knowledge or what, <laughs> what you can bring to it on that score. So you've got to up, up your pettiness game, man. You're being outdone by the guests on this. Oh, this no, is... I know. I'm... I'm disappointed. No mentions of Richie Byrne there, guys, at all. No. Uh, no. Um, right. Um, centre-halves. Maybe Richie Byrne will get a look in here at centre-half. No, who no. knows, Hugh? Who knows? Tell me who you've gone. Or maybe because, uh, as this, you say, we've got a plethora of forward options, maybe we've decided to abandon having yeah. centre-halves at all. No, this was dead easy. This, for me, was uh, Russell Anderson and, and Martin Buckingham. I just couldn't think of anyone else that would uh, fit in there. Considine would be on my bench, I guess. Brian Irvin, I think, deserves an honourable mention for, for his consistency and, and longevity. Um, but for me, Russell and uh, and uh, Martin Buckingham are the exceptional centre-halves out with the Gothenburg era. Yeah, Martin Buckingham's an interesting one because Martin Buckingham seems, to someone that never saw him play for Aberdeen, obviously, but he seems to me like somebody who's ready-made for like a modern-day centre-half, Jim. Just yeah. that, that ability to, to come north with the ball, come out with the ball, be comfortable in possession, but still be able to, to fight your fight and win your battles at centre-half. Yeah. I don't know whether you've gone just for players that you've seen, Jim. Maybe that's going to exclude Martin from your team? No, well, I, as you might know, have a really bad habit of watching ITV's The Big Match from the 1970s late at night. And... <laughs> I, I, that's influenced me quite a lot in some of the players I've seen. I've gone for Anderson and Buckingham as well. Um, maybe Willie Young would be a contender in a very strong 70-71 Aberdeen team as a centre-back. But I think Anderson, for his, his last three years before he went to Sutherland, and his first couple of years making back, was such a high level. And it was actually ridiculous he wasn't getting picked for Scotland. Certainly the three years before he went to um, Sutherland, he was so strong as a player. And I think Anderson and Buckin would be a great partnership. Possibly Buckin, the only knock was maybe like Bobby Clark, occasionally economy of effort. If he thought a task was beyond him or, you know, he certainly wasn't the kind of last ditch penalty box striker, the penalty box defender like Willie Miller was. But I think 
you couldn't go far wrong with Anderson and Buchan as your middle two. Martin, I actually know that you have picked just players you've seen, so um, you're going to have to at least come up with one different name. Well, I've got obviously Russell Anderson. Um, you've got a clean sweep there. I mean, it just it has to be. Um, and then I've gone from beside him. I've gone Brian Irvin. He, Brian Irvin. No, I've been. He was obviously back up to Miller and McLeish for so long before getting in the team. Um, but um, just, uh, I think I thought he was really, really good, really solid for us. You know, it, it, it really excelled at a time when you know sometimes when things weren't going too well. Um, obviously, maybe I'm a little bit biased because you know because he was part of the, part, obviously he was part of that. Um, the cup winning team, you know, he scored that. Obviously, scored the winning penalty, um, and I think maybe I'm a little bit biased as well because when he obviously when he came on the podcast, he was possibly the nicest footballer we've ever spoken to. Um, mm. So for me, for me, I mean, he's he's such a such a great guy. Anyway, just it has to be Brian Irvin. Yes, the topper of a human being. Of that, there is no doubt. Uh, the other centre half option that I've got noted down here, I suppose we're still waiting to see how his career as a whole will pan out, but I really think he can still get to the top end echelons of the game and Scott McKenna um, mm-hmm. you know I, I thought he would have dovetailed brilliantly with either of the um, other two who have made the team um, Buckin or Anderson uh, and would have complemented either of them very well but mm-hmm. um, we've got a settled back line we've got uh, Theo Snaders in goal we've mm-hmm. got Stuart McKinney at right back Kevin McNaughton making a surprise appearance at left back and then Martin Buckin and Russell Anderson Two homegrown lads playing at centre half. In fact, three Aberdonians in that back line, isn't there? And mm-hmm. one from Dundee. Into the midfield. I'm not going to lie, I struggle to come up with that many names here, especially not names who wouldn't be kind of more forward thinking midfielders. Um, I'd be intrigued to see the sort of names you've come up with, you. Yeah. I've got no one that's going to come back and track for you. No, um, <laughs> I've got. I mean, for me, if if I uh, Jess and Bet for me would be absolute first in line. Uh, Ian Jess for me, um, one of my favourite dons ever. Um, just loved watching him every time. It's funny back in the day, you know, he he wasn't he wasn't a hundred percent favourite with the fans when he was actually playing. He kind of is now, but. Back in the day, there were people who thought he was a bit sort of lazy and, and, and sort of turned up for a certain game, didn't turn up for those. I just love watching him. He's one of these midfielders that plays with his head up, looking for opportunities rather than looking at the ball because he knew what he could do with the ball. He knew what his feet were going to do with the ball. Um, I, I just love watching Ian Jess. So Ian Jess, for me, is a, uh, was an uh, absolute starter. Um, Jim Bett is, uh, despite where he came from, I think... Um, his very first game against Hibs at Pataudry, um, when there were reasonably high expectations, and he, he smacked in a 25-yarder into the top corner in, a, in I think, a 3-0 win, and um, immediately won um, hearts and minds. Um, and I thought from then on was, was just a class, class midfielder. Again, played with his head up, see a pass, played the pass. So those were the first two for me. Um, and if you want me just to finish this off... Um, I, I was still. I mean, I haven't found any defensive midfielders that I would. I, I came up with. I tried to come up with some names. Peter Nicholas came up with very few others. But one one of the guys that you guys probably wouldn't have seen, Zoltan Varga, would have to get a mention here. I think because he was so good, so technically good. But he did. He wasn't here that long, so it, it, it's hard to, I, I guess, to compare him. Um, I'm, 
I'm going to mention Drew Jarvie here as well. I've got lots of forwards to come up, but if someone like Jarvie who could play in midfield, um, for me would be in my eleven. So my in my team uh, for three midfielders, I've gone Jess, Bet, and Jarvie. But as I say, don't don't look for anything to be tracking back. Yeah, I'd I'd be surprised if we weren't able to shoe, shoehorn Drew Jarvie into the side somehow, whether that's midfield, whether that's wide left or wide right. Remains to be seen, I think. But uh, Jess, Bet, and Jarvie, your call there. Jim, there are some players whose uh, memory has definitely been heavily burnished by 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 time. And I think both Jim Bet and Ian Jess have that. Because uh, Hugh's right to say that uh, certainly Ian Jess at the time, a lot of people would have used the inconsistent word, used the sort of potential word. And Jim Bet, well, I recall Jim Bet taking a, a hell of a, a verbal doing um, from a um, certain editor of uh, erstwhile editor of the Red Final, now um, involved with the Heritage Trust uh, in the old Northern Light. Um, mm-hmm. So you know they had their critics whilst they were playing, but um, with age, certainly these two are, are, have um, their memory has been burnished greatly. I think so. I think the one thing you could say with Jim Bet was, apart from being a great player, that he also had ball. He scored goals in big games. I remember him scoring twice at Ibrox when we were 2-0 down. He scored twice late on, staying up till half ten to watch highlights on North Night, wherever it was, the late, late programme. He scored in penalties at Hamden in front of 70,000 fans. Uh, he played a lot for Scotland. He, I think we should try and remember the early bet when he was really like a driving midfield force. Towards the end, he lost his pace a little bit, and I think he played for United and Hearts after he left us. But Bet would be in there. I, I've got Jess as a mentioned him later, and not as a midfielder, but as a forward. And um, you, I've gone for four three three, but I don't know if you want me to leave my two other midfielders. No, no, let's have them for now. Right. So um, I, I did have Brian Grant there, and then I took him out, and I had Davey Robin there, and I took him out. I had Drew Jarvie, then I took him out. Um, and then I've eventually gone for Arthur Graham and for Graham Leggett on the other, on the right side midfielder. Okay. Which, um, Arthur Graham played in the 70 and the 77 Cup Finals. So like that area, like Joe Harper and like um, one or two other players like Drew Jarvie. Great career, winning the Cup as a 17-year-old in 1970. Graham Leggett, I must admit, I was like slightly in the dark about his achievements, but... Fantastic for us, won the league. He went to Fulham and was thought of as, some people still think he's the best player. He played with Johnny Haynes, Alan Mullery, Rodney Marsh, George Cohen, Bobby Robson. And people thought he was the best player of that era. So I think, I'm not sure I could put on conscience, put Brian Grant or Davy Robb or something like that in ahead of that guy. Considering as well, he played for Scotland, he scored against Germany for Scotland, he scored against England twice for Scotland. So I think I had to find a place for Graham Leggett on the right side of midfield. Yeah, again, I've got Leggett down as in the sort of winger positions. It's very, very difficult to to compare positions in the 50s or even going further back to the 30s and 20s with modern day positions. But, um, you know, I think that side of the, the 50s, the Aberdeen side of the 50s, probably needs to be represented somewhere along here. Um, obviously, the caveat to that is none of us will have seen Graham Leggett play football. 
uh, at least not for Aberdeen. Um, he did have a lengthy career down south and then obviously went on to uh, became, become well-known in Canada as a mm-hmm. uh, commentator and broadcaster over there. So, Bet, Arthur Graham and Leggett. So, you're having Bet basically in the middle and then uh, yeah. sort of two wide attacking midfielders there. Um, Martin, the um, the names that have they've come up maybe that could enhance that midfield from a tackling, uh, tracking back perspective. Brian Grant has been mentioned. I'm surprised there's been no mention for Lee Richardson yet. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a shock. I did have, I, did, I had Rico down. Um, I did also have Brian Grant as well. Um, look, since 2015 we've been doing this podcast, and every time we share a post on Twitter or, or Facebook, um, anytime Brian Grant's mentioned, we always hear the word underappreciated um, or underrated. So um, I've, I put him in the team just just to have him in the conversation because no, let's rate him because there's, there's so many people think he's underrated that he can't be underrated. Um, we keep hearing we keep hearing about him, you know. He's another one like Brian Irvin had to wait his, wait his time to get in the side. Uh, when he got in the side, yeah, just I think because he wasn't no he wasn't as flashy perhaps you know um, he certainly he certainly wasn't no wasn't Jim Better Ian Jess um, and I think I think that's why he maybe just kind of passed by people he kind of maybe did some stuff that you know you, you the kind of stuff you don't you don't see you don't appreciate. One thing I did wonder um, now I know this is technically kind of swicked and now I I always I never saw him play in the flesh. But are we allowed Dougie Bell? Yes. Mm. Yes, you're allowed Dougie Bell. You're not allowed Stuart Kennedy, obviously. I'm not allowed Stuart. I, well, I just, I just wondered. But you're allowed Dougie Bell. I just wondered. I mean, you know, I, I had him sort of in brackets, but as I, like I said, I've gone for guys that I've I've seen play in the flesh. Um, but I think that Dougie Bell, you know, breaking slightly breaking my own rule, has to be in that conversation. Bell, I mean, certainly some magnificent displays for Aberdeen. Um, my memory is definitely of an inconsistent player um, in the couple of seasons that I would have watched him. Uh, Hugh, Dougie Bell for you? Yeah, I, I, I discounted him because I, I, I know he didn't play in Gotham, but I kind of I assumed that we were going with that kind of overall squad, so I, I excluded him. Um, I, I think um, a bit inconsistent at times, but yeah, rose to the occasion on a lot of other times. Um, I, I couldn't get up to the first leg of the semi-final. I was working in, living and working in Glasgow at the time and, and couldn't get up to the first leg of the, the Watershed game. And watched it, believe it or not, watched it in the SDB studios um, uh, with a friend of mine. And um, it, it's the first 15, 20 minutes of that game, he, he was just, he was unplayable. Um, but we didn't see that week in, week out. Uh, definitely a contender, absolute contender for 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 this. Um, if he if he qualifies, uh, but uh, for me for me a, w- a little bit inconsistent compared to compared to others. Uh, so Martin, back to you. Who did you actually, in the end, go for then? Uh, well, I went for a four three three as well because okay. I was I, w- I was struggling. Um, so I did go for Brian Grant um, and obviously Jim Bet and Ian Jess as well. Um, as the same as the other guys, just. Um, you know, Jim Bet, the passing, especially this range of long passing, was Jim. Jim Bet was obscenely good. Um, you know. Can Can I chuck in another name here of of yeah. before all of our times? But um, Charlie Cook. Yeah, yeah. Again, um, I've kind of got him more as a winger, um, rightly or wrongly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you, if we're going with a four three three and you want a wide midfielder, uh, then absolutely. I mean, many people would say pound for pound. You know the, the most skillful sort of homegrown player that we've ever had, um, 
again, obviously went on to have a, a, a very, very good career down south, going to Dundee, in fact, before that. And merits discussion, merits being included. I, I guess you just feel with him that his best displays, best performances probably happened mm. after he left Aberdeen. I'm sure mm, there are other yeah. players in this team for whom that can also apply, but mm. um, with Cook, you kind of feel that his name was made once he once he left here. How about yeah. a player whose best five years were Aberdeen and how about Billy Stark? You know, listen, I think if we, we spoke about Brian Grant being underrated, I mean, here's Billy Stark is a guy who is massively underrated. What was it, 20 goals in each of his first three years or something for midfield mm. or something ridiculous, ridiculous like that? Just, yeah, just a, a great show a ridiculous number and again a guy who at the time didn't get the appreciation he probably deserved because yeah. he wasn't Gordon Strachan it's a very very good shout late in the day though and didn't obviously didn't make your team Jim so you know I no. don't know what you... <laughs> he's on my reserve list we're going to come back to the midfield the one absolute certainty is Jim Bett though he's in everybody's team rightly so I think when it comes to the overall makeup We'll have a discussion. Obviously, a um, couple of years of picked Ian Jess. There's maybe a conversation to be had about where exactly he plays. I, I would imagine he gets in. Um, but there's probably a conversation to be had over where he plays. So we'll come back to that midfield, knowing that Jim Betts there, knowing that Ian Jess is a, uh, is a probable. Um, and we'll think more about the wide attacking positions. Now, we've already touched on some of these, obviously, with the sort of wide midfielders that a lot of you have picked. Um, these tend to be interchangeable between right and left, but nominally on the right, I've gone for names, Jim, such as I've gone for Alex Jackson. Um, mm. I mean, that's way back, way, way back to the 1920s. He was obviously at Pataudry. Um He was, um, you know, part of the Wembley Wizards um, in 1929, I think I'm right in saying. Then I've got... Leggett playing up there as well on uh, sort of the outside right, if you will, the um, the wide right position. Um, you've kind of already you've gone for four three three. Is that because the three that you've picked up top are, are kind of more actual out and out strikers? Yeah, it'd be fair to say my front three were when they played for Aberdeen up front they were in the middle or as part of a two or a three in the middle. So um, yeah, I would have. Sort of shoehorned them in, but out of leg and Graham in my midfield, and um, I've kind of stuck the central strikers for my front three. Is that is that the same with you, Hugh? Have you gone for kind of more out and out strikers as your yeah, front three? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. let's stick with that then. Uh, the fact that two of you have done that, I'm not even going to bother asking Martin. So, no luck, Martin. Um, let's stick with that. Let's stick with that idea again. Just some of the names that um, that I've got for kind of wide midfielders, wide attackers. Robert Connor's not been mentioned in dispatches. Is that is that unfair that he should be? I mean, again, a player that was the the punchline to a lot of jokes during his time here. Um, someone who looks a little bit better with the passage of time. No one wants to stick up for Robert Connor quite clearly, so we, we'll, we'll move was. on quickly. Um, I mean, he was. Again, he's maybe stayed on a year or two too long. Uh, part of a very good Dundee team, I guess, just before he came to us. But I don't... I mean, I think he's rated, underrated even more so than Brian Grant, or probably for a reason. And the Bobby's Blouse cartoon also haunted him a bit, but Jim, in the, in the Northern Light as well. 
I've got Paul Mason's name down as well. I don't know yeah. if he's been mentioned in yeah. dispatches yet, yeah. but again, someone that would just buzz about um, mm. around the attackers. Then there's two guys who, again, maybe because they're here now and aren't showing their best form now, maybe mm-hmm. won't be part of this discussion now, but if we do it in mm. 10 years' time, I wonder if they wouldn't be. Johnny Hayes and Ram again. Mm. Uh, they've had really good Aberdeen careers, uh, Martin. They have, yeah. I mean, I've said so many times on here. I mean, I did, ha- I did have Hazem again, kind of noted down in my in my others list um, to mention because you know, I've I've said so many times how much I think Nemanel McGinn's is an excellent footballer. Um, I think you know he's he's certainly faded um, from what he what he was, but um, you know he he's one of those guys who we've said you know before can do things with do things with the ball that you know we didn't have anybody else that could do them. Um, such a you know, such a talented footballer uh, for us, and Hayes again with another one. You know, just you know that that pace, that delivery he has when he's getting up and down, particularly on the left hand side. You know, so so adaptable as well. Where we've we've, you know, we've seen him at left back, we've seen him at left midfield, we've seen him even sort of you know, a little bit more centrally as well. Um, and as two guys that definitely definitely are worth, worthy of, the, of, a, of a conversation. I mean, I'm. I know I, I don't need to, to, to repeat how, how big a fan of Niall McGinn I have been in um, his time in Aberdeen. So let's move on to the attackers. Um, I've got a heap of names here, uh, Pugh. Uh, I'm guessing you might have had a little bit of difficulty, but again, there's been some real fan favourites that, um, that weren't part of that Gothenburg squad who, um, who have played up front. Yeah, I didn't find this too difficult, I don't think. I mean... I've gone for Joe Harper, Steve Archibald, and Hans Heelhouse. Um, Nicholas probably got a mention, but no, not not compared to those those guys. So I found that part reasonably straightforward. Um, so Archibald, Harper, and Hillhouse for me. Harper, absolute shoe in. Um, Archibald, uh, one of the few that, I, as I, as I mentioned earlier on, who've got on to become um, a, a superstar player um, from Aberdeen. Um, and Hillhouse, we just got him in his prime for a couple of years. He was just astonishing, um, technically, um, but with a bit of bite about him as well, and and uh, formed a great partnership with Charlie Nicholas. So um, those were the, the two years with those two guys were were really good to watch. So for me, pretty straightforward: Archibald, Harper, and Hillhouse. I know it's unbalanced and all the rest of it, but you know that's what it is. Well, listen, I mean, that's uh, that's a fearsome front three, Jim, but I mean, it, it kind of ignores another, at least another couple of absolutely sensational goal scorers that I can think of. Um, I don't know, yeah. uh, again, maybe you're a, a little bit more influenced by what you've seen in the flesh, but who did you pick? I, I'm, mine and Hugh's team are quite similar. I've gone for Archibald, Harper and Jess. Um, I did have second thoughts about Archibald. I mean, Apart from Varga, is there anyone else in our list who spent such a short time at Pataudry? He was only three seasons, I think. Two and a Pataudry. half. Two and a half, yeah, so even less than that. Um, but Jess, up until he broke his leg against Clyde Bank up front and Archibald Harper because of his longevity in the mind, he scored definitely. I considered guys like um, Shearer and Varga, maybe Jim Forrest, had a very good record for Aberdeen. Yeah. He was part of a very strong team. But I've put Jess up front, and I think just pure quality for Harper and Archibald. We'd have to be the other part of my front three. 
Martin, there's some, again, some names from way back in the past. Names that dominated the top scorers list before Joe Harper came on the scene. Names like uh, Benny Orston, George Hamilton, Matt Armstrong. If if we had a way of really judging them, I'm sure they would properly be in this conversation. Um, but, you know, equally, latterly, we've had some names that fans have just adored. Uh, your McDougals, your Shearers, your Roonies. Um, who, who have you gone for up front? Well, I'm glad you, <coughs> glad you mentioned them there. Um, I've, I've gone for, I've, likely, I've gone for Hans Hillhouse, obviously. Um, you know, back at a time when Aberdeen were signing players who were able, you know, foreign players who are still going to the World Cup. Um, um, that's obviously a long, a long, long time ago. Um, you know, he obviously went Italia ninety with a, with that Holland side, a really, really good player. So had to, had to be him. Um, I've also gone for alongside him, Duncan Shearer, um, who I absolutely loved um, during his time at Aberdeen. Um, just you know, what such a, such a great player, a great striker for us. And I've gone for Adam Rooney. Um, no, I'm I'm well aware that he probably won't get into this side because there are guys like Joe Harper. Um, who who are probably more deserving of it, but I think that Rooney deserves to be in the conversation. I mean, you know, here's a guy who, you know, what was it? I think three seasons in a row, three seasons in a row, he got he got twenty or more goals for us. Um, you know, we would we'd certainly rip our hands off for that right now. Um, if we could swap Prime Adam Rooney for Jet, that would be amazing. Um, you know, a guy who dead, deadly from the penalty spot as well. I you know. You would bet your granny's cold weather payments on Adam Rooney from the penalty spot. Um, he was he was that deadly. The spell that few seasons he was with us, um, up until he started to maybe be played out a lot better position, was it was excellent. Um, so I I think I've put I've put him in there, knowing fine that he's probably not going to get into the side. Um, but I I, I do want to just stick my tuppence in for him. Rooney and Shearer and Harper all had in common was right place, right time. But every time they had a chance, they they put a shot on target. You know, it was it was remarkable for if you look at all three of those guys. If you if you gave them the ball in the right position at the right time, they would put a shot on target. Whether it went in or not was up to the goalkeeper. But um, absolute finishers. You didn't get a lot of other things from them. You, they were just fantastic clinical finishers. Shearer, again, a lovely guy by the way, and 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 but absolutely deserving of mention on here. Martin, I reckon you've just put Rooney in there as sort of payback for him missing out on our team of the century a couple of seasons ago. Um, well, I, <laughs> do you like I, to confirm or deny I, that? I, no, not at all. I mean, I did, I did have Stavrum down as well. To be honest with you, I figured, I figured, no, if I wasn't have, if I wasn't going to put, um, well, because I wasn't going to put Kevin McNaughton in my team, I wouldn't have McNaughton no whipping in those balls for, for Stavrum to be offside for. Um, so that's why I left him out. Here's a question for you guys. Um, until this last season, who's the highest paid player at Aberdeen? Before the 2021 season, Trey who was the highest paid player? Hignett. No, it was um, Stavrum. Oh, really? Sta- really? Yeah, Stavrum was on five grand a week okay. back in 2000, 2000 and something. Hmm. Well, I mean, he did come from high-wage countries, I suppose. It was Sweden he came from, wasn't it? Um, mm. I'm quite surprised yeah. taking it wasn't more than that back in 97, though, to be perfectly honest. But especially when yeah, you consider his loyalty bonus. Craig Hignett is a man um, not being mentioned in dispatches. We speak <laughs> no. about uh, Steve Archibald having a short time at Pataudry. Well, it was slightly longer in the 14, 16 games mm. that Craig Hignett 
gave us, deigned to give us. I, I'm really shocked that Frank McDougall hasn't made any of those teams. Again, maybe suffering from the fact that his time at Pedroja was cut so short. Um, but, you know, one of the probably few players that came in the immediate aftermath of that Gothenburg team that had a real chance of um, enhancing what was available to him. Maybe not as good an all-round attacker as the likes of Archibald or McGee, but just a poacher, an out-and-out goal scorer. Anyway, from your teams, there is a fairly clear consensus here in that uh, Joe Harper, Steve Archibald and Hans Johais are all in two of your lineups. So they will make up our front three. So Harper, Archibald and Johais, which is Hughes' team, mm -hmm. as it happens. Can okay. I mention two other players with Eddie? Yeah, go for it. Two players who stayed here and then went away and came back. Scott Booth and Joe Miller. Both been excellent strikers. And, well, Joe Miller was a white player in their time. Not, not in there ahead of those, but I'm surprised we haven't mentioned them. Is Joe Miller another underrated category for us? Underwhelming for me, Jim. I'm yeah. sorry, but... Yeah. Both spells, to be honest. I was mm -hmm. delighted when Celtic paid as much as they did for him. Yeah. Scott Booth, was he... I loved him when he broke through, but again, did he? We speak about Jess maybe not fulfilling his potential. Yeah. We, you know, but we think as Aberdeen fans that Jess came back and he did that. And I mean, Boots a good player, but did he do enough for Aberdeen at the time he was here? I mean, he is in the top ten all-time goal scorers, and mm -hmm. he did play quite a few seasons for us. But again, mm -hmm. it's maybe just tainted by the fact that. The performance of the side mm. dropped off a bit during the seasons he was in the first team. You know, he was mm. here in a spell where we kind of went from really challenging for the league titles to a point where we nearly got relegated. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they might have been in, in dispatches. Well, some of the other names I've got down, I don't know if I mentioned them already, but George Hamilton, Mark Armstrong, Paddy Buckley. Again, some of the members of that 50s team. So going back, we've still got this one midfield spot to go alongside Ian Jess and Jim Bett. Um, I, I don't know. The names that have been suggested otherwise are, are names like Jarvie, Graham Leggett, uh, Brian Grant, obviously, up front. I'm going to chuck in another one, Richard. Yeah, of um, course. Again, before all your guys' time, but in the late 60s, um, we had a midfielder called Jimmy Smith, Jinky mm -hmm. Smith, um, who was really really classy um again played with his head up could pick a pass anytime and he, the thing i remember most about him was there was a game that was played on a frozen pitch that probably shouldn't have been played i think it was against kilmarnock we won 4-0 and it was it was like i hate to say this but it was a bit like gas going against us he was just unplayable nobody got near him um he went on to have a decent career at, at newcastle before i think injury to get stole, but um, he, he, he would be, for me, he would get a mention in some of this. I think I said earlier that we'd find a way to get Drew Jarvie in the team, and mm. the weight of his goals, the partnership he had with Harper, mm. the ability to play in a number of dip different positions, the fact that he was still an integral member of the team that won the title in 79-80, sort of eight years after he signed, I, I think he has to get, get in this, this team somewhere. You know that might be in a slightly unfamiliar position, asking him to play a little bit more central than than he might otherwise do. So be it. Um, but 
for me, I, I think Dwi Javi has to get in there somewhere. And if it has to be in midfield, then so be it. I think Graham Leggett is very unlucky to miss out. And I think if you were picking a side which was balanced and which tried, you wanted a team to win football matches, you might pick a Brian Grant, you might pick a Lee Richardson to go in there, you might, a, uh, might pick a Peter Nicholas. And then if we'd had more evidence, you might pick somebody like Zoltan Varga. But, yeah, do we Jarvi for me? Is there going to be any complaints if, if Jarvi gets that last spot? Not from me. No, not at all. He was in my team and then out and then in, so I can't really complain. Okay, we have a settled 11. The only thing really left to choose, and I'm not going to ask you to pick subs. We've, we've had the discussion. You, you can just pick some random names from those. Is your manager. So, Martin, I don't know whether you've actually thought about this yet, but of all the Aberdeen managers who weren't Sir Alex Ferguson, who, have you, who would you pick to manage this team? Um, well, <laughs> I haven't thought about this at all. Um, you know what? Um, I can, no, I'm going to go for it. No, we'll go for Derek McInnes. We've rightly given him a lot of, sl- lot of hard, a hard time on here. Toward, towards the end, the period wasn't good, but when it was great, it was brilliant under him. No, and a, a really attractive football inside, putting so-called inferior teams to the sword, getting the got the best out of you no know, having you no know, having that you know, that front three of McGinn, Hayes, and Rooney, where we were a great, really, really good side under him. I think I think we'll go for we'll go for Derek McInnes. Okay, um, Jim, <laughs> be yourself. Well. I'm not sure if Derek would make it out of the changing rooms when he saw how attacking that midfield was and how little defensive cover was left. Um, how about to, to suit the attacking nature of the team, someone like Alan McLeod, who would, um, I, I sus- suspect Hugh will mention somebody who was about 10 years before him, but Alan McLeod would love to manage that side and um, it might be just up his street. Well, I, I suppose it's a side which is definitely going to be style over substance, which um, you could argue. Um, Ali McLeod, for part of his appeal, was um, the ultimate showman. Um, maybe not too heavy on tactics, and I think we've picked a team that will just try and go out there and score. So it's maybe a good shout. Uh, Hugh, who would you go for? Well... If I exclude guys that I either hired or fired, um, I don't have much of a choice left. So I'm going to go for Eddie Turnbull. Yeah, famously, obviously, turned the the ship that was Aberdeen around in the 60s. It's odd, though, if you look back, I mean, into his third or fourth season at Pataudry, he's finishing like 13th in a 16-team league. It's a, it's a sort, of, um, sort of outcome that would not see him survive in the current situation, but he's, he's rightly revered for what he built at Pataudry, and it's, uh, it's a real shame that he, he left when he did, because I think that team that he'd built up to the end of 1971 was was capable of going on and, and really challenging that Celtic team over the coming over the next few years. But his departure uh, led to the breakup of that team and um, you know, us falling down the leagues under Jimmy Bonthorn. So um, three different choices for manager. Um, I think um, three managers who, who would bring a very different tune out of the team that we've picked. And uh, just to reiterate the team, the greatest non-Gothenburg eleven that we've chosen. It's Theo Snelders in goal, Stuart McKimmy at right back, Kevin McNaughton at left back. Centre-half pairing of Martin Buchan and Russell Anderson. 
Midfield, we've got Jim Bett, Ian Jess and Drew Jarvie. Well, up front, it's uh, reuniting the old partnership of Joel Harper and Steve Archibald with Hans Heelhouse prompting them from maybe just off them. That is our greatest seven non-Gothenburg 11. Do let us know who you'd sub out from that and who you'd play, who you must have, who we haven't mentioned at all that you'd have in um, and where we have been speaking nonsense. Um, it's been a really enjoyable discussion going back over, over some of the names um, that's, that have graced Bittaudry. Inevitably, it's been skewed towards uh, the last 40 or 50 years, it, it, the sort of era in which not just the people on this uh, podcast have been going along to see the Dons, but I suppose also the the era in which there's material available to bring these performances back to life. I mean, today's obviously the anniversary of uh, Ian Jess scoring that goal at Ibrox. And, um, you know, we talked about his memory being enhanced since he played with us. And it's because the brilliant moments, the brilliant times are being recycled endlessly by tired old social media accounts like our one. But there's no question that Ian Jess was a tremendous well-loved player at the time and had some magnificent moments conversations like this though are a perfect pub discussion hopefully it was a good podcast discussion and my thanks joining us tonight to have that discussion to hugh little hugh thank you my pleasure enjoyed it and to jim douglas who might be back to defend his crown before the end of the year yes i'm looking forward to that thanks <laughs> are you in training already jim very much so i'm taking a week off work and to Martin Clunas. Martin, thank you. Thank you, Richard. Well, that was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it too. Um, we'll be back once the Dons are back in action after the international break with another show. Until next time, come on you Reds. Right.